0: Sacred Life, 10,000 Joys, 10,000 Sorrows. In pandemic time warps, change moves at glacial speed with the swiftness of molasses in February. Though in these days of climate change, even glacier movements are changing their cadence as suddenly massive immovable ice beasts crash into frigid but warming waters. Some changes seem to happen instantly Or maybe it's just we don't pay attention to the signals, the signs, that one way of being is about to dissolve into another, relegating what went before to the realms of memories, scrapbooks, and photo albums. We see or choose not to see what's precious right under our noses, presuming it will always be there to view later. We sometimes forget to treasure each moment as it is or get swept up in one emotion sacrificing another. Buddha said that life is 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. It's how we navigate that reality that determines our degree of presence, happiness, or suffering. Nothing is permanent, and everything matters. And so it was last week when I encountered the juxtaposition of seemingly opposed, rapidly shifting, sacred moments. My partner and I were on the way to what we expected to be a good checkup on my cancer status, followed by a quiet, pensive weekend at our favorite beach town to celebrate my birthday and our anniversary. I called our friend Marianne, who we always see when visiting Provincetown, to arrange to meet. Her business machine instructed me to leave a message. Knowing we probably wouldn't hear back from this active, on-the-go woman till we got there, as requested, we left a message. We joked about how off hard to reach she often is, but how odd we hadn't heard back from her from earlier messages. We hoped nothing was wrong. On a whim, I called back to re-listen to her message and more plaintively plead for her to call us back. Sometimes repetition works. Unexpectedly, she answered the phone, something that in 30 plus years has only happened when calling on her birthday. In the next moment, everything changed. In her affable, hard-boiled, coastal New Englander way, she matter-of-factly told us she was just out of the hospital after surgery and had received a diagnosis just days before of stage 4 bladder cancer, which had metastasized to her lung and femur. She had decided to do energy work and no chemo. She wasn't going to be going out hugging a porcelain goddess. Stunned, we told her we would be there the next day, and she agreed we could come see her. The day seemed grayer and time slowed. We worried for our friend. My partner was oddly concerned that this would overshadow the joy of our planned weekend. Insisting I could hold both, I knew that nothing was the same. Everything felt different. In the hours that followed, waiting in the halls of the Boston Cancer Treatment Center, I researched the prognosis, realizing that were I in my friend's shoes, I'd choose similarly. It was not a pretty picture. In a daze, I went through the motions of blood work and scans for myself. As previously planned, during the break between tests and my appointment, we went to my favorite rose garden where exquisite beauty and the scents enveloped us. It was a glorious day that I'd promised to enjoy despite the shock for our friend lingering at my heart's edges. My spouse was unusually preoccupied and finally admitted a surprise delivery to the garden had been arranged. As if on cue, two huge gold helium balloons made their way toward us, announcing my age to other rose lovers. But wait, holding the balloons were my sisters from another mother, my best friend from high school who lives in Virginia, and her sister from New Hampshire. Here they were on their virgin post-pandemic lockdown voyages to spend the weekend with us. They announced they and my New Hampshire sister's grown daughter were coming with us to Provincetown. We hadn't even seen each other since before cancer and COVID. What a precious moment. Dizzied by my exorcist-like head spinning, I tried to grasp all this before returning to the hospital for my own medical meeting. Exclaiming at this unbelievably happy reunion, we literally swooned, photographed, smelled the roses, and laughed till we cried. Everything felt different from how this day began. I felt simultaneously joyous and loved, incredibly surprised while also feeling that internal course correction as I pivoted from the expected quiet reflected time I had planned. I cautiously anticipated hearing my own hopefully good health news while feeling dread about my friend's health. If this wasn't a lesson in being present to what is with non-attachment, Nothing was. So my news was good, A-plus scans, the doctor said. We went to P-Town and reveled in the company, the landscape, baked goods, more balloons, and multiple joys. The next day, the two of us went to visit Marianne. Unlike the day before, she was barely able to talk and had a hard time breathing. Her friends told us this sudden turn was perhaps medication-related. After just 15 cherished moments, we left to not tire her, grateful we got to see her at all. It suddenly seemed her time was limited, probably to weeks or months. Then we were back to subdued but happy celebrations there and at home with my Virginia friend. Small planned family and friend gatherings happened over the next two days, grandchildren who were not supposed to be able to attend unexpectedly sprang from hiding in my son's car. The weather was perfect. Through it all, Marianne was heavy on my heart, underscoring even more the importance of gratefully embracing these joys. Her friend Jim who was caring for her reassured me she had rallied the next day and was reasonably comfortable. We were all glad she was in no pain. The remaining days of our friends' visit among everyday life tasks, we pondered life's pleasure, pleasures and uncertainties and looked toward our futures. Each of us have had life-threatening health crises over the years. With Marianne's condition, we were again reminded, life is precious and temporary. The morning our friend flew home, five days after our Rose Garden reunion, I was preparing to do a Zoom session when I received a text from Marianne's phone. A friend who was answering her text had seen one I had sent her. She informed me that Marianne was non-responsive and they didn't expect her to live more than a few days. My legs buckled under me and I delayed the session to reel myself in. I canceled the next one and then surreally made my way through the rest of my day. That night, Jim confirmed she had been unresponsive for at least 24 hours. Hospice was there and she was well cared for and peaceful. Even her doctor was shocked at the swiftness. We agreed, true to form, she had decided to leave and not suffer. The next morning, 12 hours after that call, he texted me. She died in the wee hours of the morning, quietly, peacefully, surrounded by love. Everything feels different. Life can change instantly. We never know what it holds for us. Each moment is sacred. There is no formula for meeting its 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. We are given this gift, the invitation to live life full on with kindness, generosity in the best way we can, no matter what. It's exactly how my friend lived her life to the end. In our one precious life, nothing is permanent. And everything matters. What matters to you?